Okay, Divorce Not Option Podcast Season 2, let's go. It's about time we get back to this podcast. What What are you trying to say? I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> you know, I mean, some people have been waiting for us to get it, out, get it going. I've been waiting on you. Uh, no, you know that's not true. I did want to focus <laughs> on my family for a minute, but I've been ready for over a month. First family, so, first time with the, with the family for the summer. <laughs> exactly, we were a family of four, but we survived. So and let's y'all go moved. With- I think I, I think the I think the listeners are gonna think it's your fault because you had a family of four and you moved. <laughs> and I know how to multitask. I took care of my business and I was ready to go. We gonna talk about war between the black man and the black woman. <laughs> so you gonna start out hard <laughs> the first let's just time go, let's just go right in like right <laughs> okay. let's just act like we i don't know how to warm up or start you know like this is yeah like I, like it's not like a real season where you build up to the end where everybody get murdered we just gonna you jump know? in on season one. okay all right so um shout out to game of thrones but um, <laughs> so, all right if we go talk about the war between black men and black women what what is the perspective that we're taking here what's the angle I was thinking like interracial dating, um, but actually before we jump into that, I got I got something else I wanted to confess on podcasting because my son don't listen to the podcast, not yet anyway. He might hear this years from now, but I wanted to confess that I gave my son's dog away. <gasps> oh, you gave a baby dog away? Why? He don't he don't want no dog for real. He one of them dudes that like that like he don't want his ex girlfriend to have a new boyfriend. That's what he don't. <laughs> He don't, he don't play with the dog. He don't play with the dog. The dog him, him having a dog is like the dog sitting next to him while he playing. You know what I'm I saying? Saw, like he on his wait, game. Wait, I saw Misha post. <laughs> Did anybody want a dog? But I thought y'all was playing. <laughs> Dead serious. We got two people no. that responded to that post and was like, we'll take them. And we was like, here you go. And so, but the, but the but interesting thing know. was... We we just told him. I'll tell you the story about real quick about how we told him. Um, but the thing is, is is like I, it, he really is like I want my dog, but he don't understand that a dog needs attention and a love and affection and walk him, play with him. And his thing is really just having a dog, like a dog, like supposed to just be there. You know what I mean? Oh. And like not playing with him. And so, um, but but the interesting thing, yeah, he's ten. The interesting thing is, is the way I wanted to tell him, and the way my wife wanted to tell him was two different things. Like she told him, she this is one of those clearly days that I can admit that she was a better better parent than I was today, because I. <laughs> like straight up, like it wasn't even close. Like it, because in, in my in my explanation. I really was blaming him, like, and all the stuff I just said. I don't know how to say it any other way. Like, I'm going to say, you didn't walk the dog. You didn't play with the dog. You know, and my wife's stuff was, the dog needs more love, and he needs more attention, and he needs more affection. And and shouldn't we be fair to the dog? And isn't this what's best for the dog? And I want to jump in, and I told you that you're supposed to walk the dog and play with the dog. (laughs) And that is why two parents are required. That is exactly why, because and I was and I was thinking it as we were talking. I'm like, I am losing this thing. Like she's out parenting me 
right now and i need to do better like i like what she, like how she's communicating is better like i noticed that when i was talking he was getting angry and he was like looking at me and when he was talking to her it was more conversation more communication good back and forth with me he was ready to, i did walk the dog i did walk the dog i did play with the dog like it, all mines was controversial all of mines was attacking like it really should have been broke now, down he gonna tell the story about how his daddy gave his dog away and it's gonna be worse. Like, and like it it's gonna be, be like, my, I, right? It was like my I had the dog in my hands. My dog, my dad ripped the dog <laughs> out of my hands and gave him away right in front of me. Like it's gonna get worse and worse and worse. Basically. And my wife's just gonna be sitting there. But, but really, we laughing. But it, it really did show me the difference between man and woman, and how I just really didn't have the ability to show compassion. I really just was like going to attack. The other thing that was unique about it was. I was prepared to negotiate with him. Like, I'm going to give you $200. I refurbished this laptop. Um, I'm going to get your trampoline fixed. We're going to go to game, we're going to go to game, uh, 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 GameStop. My wife was like, no, we're going to tell him the decision that we made. We're, there's no negotiating. There's no, we're not going to buy his love. I'm going to just tell him I love him. And I was like, really? You just going to tell him you love him? <laughs> Saying that's all you got? Okay. But it worked. <laughs> yeah. And so that shows but it worked. while we get back to this war, how black women are beating black men. Um so Wow, you did tie that back together, <laughs> didn't you? And it showed you the difference between the black woman and the black man. There you go, there you go. So but you're not talking about black women and black men, you're talking about interracial dating. So like Serena having a baby for a boy, um, and not just having a baby, she married him. Um, and I'm not mad enough for that. She she gave she brothers married, a chance. I didn't, I didn't yeah, know she, she married. married him. She married him. Um, so um, but she dated plenty of black men. Um, but you know, I, I don't I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. Off the top of my head, I remember, I remember she dated Common. She dated Drake. Uh-huh. Um, she dated Columbus Short. Yes, Amari Stoudemire. So she gave she gave brothers a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a little uh little 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 snowflake in college that I dated one time. A snowflake, really? <laughs> I call her. <laughs> um, I really just broke up with her because she was white girl. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> don't pull no punches. Keep it real. Uh, I mean, fuck up because she's white. I, like we was cool and, and it was perfect, and it just got it, the relationship ran its course. And one day I stopped by her apartment. She laid out me a new polo outfit, you know, polo everything, polo belt, polo shoes, shirt, everything. This is college, so everything had to be the same. And I just told her like I got to break up with you, and she said you're breaking up with me because I'm not black, huh? And I was like, wow. Yeah. She she knew because we didn't have no problem. I just broke up with her. Like, we didn't, we didn't have no issue. Everything was perfect. Like, I just broke up with her because I had to have me a sister, though. Because I, I just knew that. You know, and I'm not mad at nobody that feel. Yeah, go ahead. There's, there's, a, there's a Netflix movie about Obama um, that kind of talks about, like, the making of Obama. And he was dating a white girl. And it kind of brings up the same point. And she kind of knew, too. Like, you break it up with me because I'm not black. Really? Yeah. Check that out then. It's that, pretty interesting. I, it, it was really just one day when I was just like, you know what? This relationship has run its course. 
and I need to get on back with me a sister now. I've been over here playing in the snow for about a year. You know what I'm saying? I need to get on back with me a sister. I just knew. And then, and like I said, it's nothing against anybody else. It's just how I knew that I, like who I knew I needed to be with. But that's an interesting concept. So why would you consider it playing in the snow? Like that, like you couldn't be serious about a white girl. I never thought of, you know, it wasn't that I couldn't be serious about a white woman. Um, it was just, I knew that I had to be with a black woman. I just, for me, knew that I wasn't prepared. Uh, oh, you, man, I done jumped off in there, huh? It's an interesting topic because, um, you know, um, Dr. Umar Johnson got dragged this summer based on the comment that he said he couldn't respect a black man who dated a white woman or married a white woman. And so, I mean, it's interesting. Like we, we kind of have created this whole concept that you're not black enough if you marry outside your race. Right. And I think he said something even more profound than that. I remember you sent me that video and what he really said was the greatest thing that you can do as a black man is marry a black woman. Yep. That's exactly what he said. And, um, and I was like, Yeah. But, you know, the the converse of that is really challenging um, for black women lately because it's just, you know, as society moves on, it's harder and harder to, for the black woman to find her match in a black man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm looking at you. What, where, where are you going to lead us today, Tamara? <laughs> this, this, so, this, <laughs> I mean, it's, this is a really interesting topic. And I, I personally... Wait, 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 wait. You... You you never uh played in the snow? Well, yeah, so I, I um I've dated Latino and I've dated white, um, but not really as an adult. I dated a white guy in high school and um it really was kind of um difficult, like it, it was a shock to both of our parents, honestly. Um <laughs> And so, you know, like my parents never expected me to date anybody but black boys and his parents never expected him to date anybody but white girls. Um, And for me, I was always the girl that the mamas liked. You know, I I had good grades. I was, you know, cute. I, you know, just popular in school. and, And so it just really, it really, really, really ate at me that his mama didn't like me for no other reason except that I was black. Um, because I'm looking, I'm like, I made better grades than your child. I'm more popular than your child, <laughs> you know? Your, your child will come up. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I struggle with that. And then I have always been very, um, I, I guess militant for lack of a better term. And so I had to explain you know, everything to him. Like I was, I would tell somebody, Oh, you so soulful. And he was like, well, what do you mean by soulful? And I'm like, right. I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do that. That's why I couldn't <laughs> marry you. Like I can't, I can't, I can't do Thanksgiving with you. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, you gotta yes. just know how we do it. Yes. That, I gotta that, that's how, yep. Sweet potato versus pumpkin. Right. I got to explain why everybody got the same thing at their house, no matter where you go for Thanksgiving. Like, like, no, what are you doing? You don't eat that for Thanksgiving. Right. Like, you know, you ain't right. got no ham. You ain't got no turkey. You ain't got no greens. You ain't got no sweet dressing. potato. Right, right, right. You know, we ain't, no, we ain't doing all that. We ain't just doing biscuits or whatever. And all like, you know, just, this has just got to be different. And I just knew that, that the holiday and, and the experiences of like culture and like, 
I can just go through like, like, have you seen the color purple? Have you seen school days? Uh, do right. you watch, have you seen, like you had to be, have seen love Jones like 10,000 times. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, but I think I think that that is the normal mindset of the average black woman that they they want that black love, um, but it's just not the same as it used to be. Um, like I was, I found a website, uh, blackdemographics.com, that said um, that black women are the head of twenty nine percent of all black households, which is more than twice the rate for all women. Like. All women are at the head of 13% of households. So, and and 33% of black women who gave birth last year were not married. I mean, excuse me, were married. 33%. So only a third of black women who gave birth were married. Um, and 64% of all women were married. Speak on it. Speak on it. Why? Because um, black women are just struggling to find their mates. And it's, not- it's just... It's not black. It's not black women need to close their legs. It's not that. Okay, okay. I mean that's part <laughs> of it, but they're not getting pregnant by themselves. How about that? True that. True that. <laughs> okay. I, hey, but but you know what? I tell people all the time. If I, I, I we gonna get in a lot of trouble this season because I tell people all the time that if I was a black woman, you could not hit it raw, straight up. You just can't hit it raw. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I even mean... understand that. <laughs> Maybe and maybe that's unfair of me to say that, but that's how I just feel like not having that as an issue. Well, I, I always felt like black women had not just black women on this. When we talking about sexually transmitted diseases or pregnancy things like that, that's all women. That is a lot. But, no, but uh, that is black women have a higher rate than any other demographic. Right. Why? Um, I, I will say that um, honestly, probably because black men are sleeping with more people than any other demographic. <laughs> That would definitely be one of the reasons, and I've had and I've had that uh, that conversation with women where they'll say things to me like, "Well, I'm only sleeping with one guy," and then I have to say to them, to their surprise, well, "How many people is that one guy sleeping with?" Exactly, exactly. And really, that's the that's the, that, and really that's the surprise of sexually transmitted diseases. I've just heard so many stories where a woman was who sleeping with who with somebody that she trusted. Not yep. knowing that that man was sleeping around, and that's how yep. he, you know she would catch the transmitted disease. And I think that that is kind of to the point that you were making before. Black women, you're talking about, you know, I wouldn't let let anybody hit it raw. Like we tend to, we fall in love when we trust, and that's, that's still one happens. of the still one of the most profound things I think I've ever heard you say is when you said that the woman is not meant to protect herself against the man, and I think that exactly. may have something to do with it too, right? That is um, exactly, and one of the most. One of the most profound things I've ever said. No, I'm joking. Can you say that? You can't really say that. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I'm <laughs> Shut up. So that <laughs> no, um, one of the things that I always thought about when you talk about, you know, stuff like protecting yourself is that with black women or women in general, you have to be able to value yourself at a different level than anybody. You got to have a greater value of you than anyone else does. And that is the hardest thing, I think, for women, period, and black women, especially because we have been told for centuries, really, that we are less than. And so um, trying to come up with that self-esteem on our own is a difficult thing. And then trying to come up with that self-esteem to protect us against the people who are supposed to be protecting us is even harder. Let's venture off in an area I know nothing about for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> um um with the black woman 
actually speak to just how difficult, like we always talk about how difficult it is to be a black man, mm-hmm. but speak to the di- the difficulty of being a black woman and, and trying to be natural and trying to, you know, figure out your makeup and your dress oh and I'll speak well, to that kind huge, of stuff. It's a huge dichotomy in general, um, being a black woman, because it's, um, I have to be able to take care of myself. I have to be able to stand up for myself. And like we were just talking about, I have to be able to protect myself. Um, and in creating this protection for myself, I become the angry black woman. And that is that is the persona that I'm given, which then, and then is the excuse for men to go in the other direction. Um and then um, I'm told that beautiful means uh, straight hair, long hair, lighter skin, small, slimmer body, you know, smaller thighs, um, all of the things that are not necessarily innate to the average black woman. So then I have to fight for all of these things um, to look like this version of beauty that is not inherent to me. And if I decide I don't want to do that, which is something that I've personally chosen to do, it becomes even more challenging because I have to learn to love me and to find beauty in what I'm told is not beautiful. Darker skin, nappy hair. Is that something that, uh, did your mother ever talk to you about that? Or is it something you kind of picked up or? For me, it was something I had to pick up. Um, because as much as my mom, um, you know, my mom and I have a great relationship, love her to death, but, um, my mother one is naturally slim. Um, she, so she was what you consider, you know, perfect, slim with a booty. Um, and so, you know, she was a size four. Um, you looking for your mom. You can't, you can't say that (laughs) on the podcast. Your mom about to get a whole bunch of friend requests from random dudes. Leave Tamara mom alone. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I actually had to tell somebody that at my wedding. He was talking about my mama. I was like, okay, back up to my daddy right there. Anyway, um, but um, me, on the other hand, um, I took after my father. I was thicker. I had more curves, darker skin. Um, and so um, she kind of was at a loss because there was this European standard of beauty, you know, my mom, my mom believed in straight hair. I got to relax her too. Um, and so, so that's not how I grew up. Um, she, that's just so, what she did. That's there, there were relaxing women's hair when your mom was coming up. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you got to relax her. And then, you know, um, I, I was in weight camps when I was younger. Um, you know, so my struggle with my weight has been ongoing and it took me a long time to realize I am not fat. I am not. I'm just thick. And, you know, I mean, size eight is not a bad thing and I'm curvy and that's a great thing. And, you know, I got to about 18 before I realized that men really appreciated all the curves. I'm still, um, I'm still giggling at, I'm not fat. I'm thick. Like somebody just screamed <laughs> and shouted in their car. 
It's winning right now, like me too. Celebrated, celebrated, and you know, so so it took to eighteen to discover that my body was an asset, not a liability, and then it took to thirty to realize that my hair is an asset, not a liability. At around thirty, I decided to stop relaxing. I was done. I think I was twenty-eight when I decided I am not putting no more relaxer in my hair. And that was a huge struggle. Um, I cut all my hair off and had the TWA, the teeny weeny afro. And I really struggled feeling beautiful with that. But again, that was just something I had to define for myself. And um, that is something a lot of black women struggle with. I'm just marveling at how you just broke down like everything about the black woman and their <laughs> struggles. Like, and I was, was going to ask, I had my next question. My next question was, uh, when did you start relaxing your hair? But you covered that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you knew exactly where to go with it. So that was cool. Yeah. Cause, it just, um, it, and my wife, go ahead. No, it's a process, but go ahead. My wife, um, has had her hair relaxer free. I guess you call it for good, maybe 15 years. Like she stopped it a long time ago, and and, and what's funny about her and my feeling of needing to be with a black woman is is that's the style that I love her hair in the most. I love it. Like I love and, her hair when it's big and out there yes. and the afro. I love it. Yes, and once you embrace yourself like that then you do tend to find uh, you know there are a lot of black men. My husband is the same way who love natural hair. Um, but, you know, you also have, I, I dated somebody who said he would, you know, when I was in the process of transition, transitioning, he would never be with a woman with natural hair. Um, I, as a black man, as a black yeah, man, black man, black man. Um, I had now, now you will not hear that from white men. Um, you rarely, I mean, white people just are intrigued with black hair. Um, yes. for the most part, but, um, but it's, they can't it's grow their hair like that. Exactly. It's something new and different and interesting to them. But it's us. It's us. You know, when I went to church every Sunday, when I first transitioned and cut all my hair off, I had church folks talking about, you know, I don't like your hair like that. Well, why you couldn't you put it in a wig in a wig until you get some more hair? Um, church I mean, folk you hear will tell all, you. Yes. They, they be in your business. They don't. Oh, care. my gosh. <laughs> it's, it was That's horrible. And it's like, okay, I'm trying to embrace me, and you want to sit up here and spend your time telling me what's wrong with me. How is that helpful? How was mom? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mama like my baby to go crazy. <laughs> yes, yes. She had a really hard time with it, which was really funny because once I grew my hair out and had the big fro and the twist and everything, she loved it. And then I decided to do locks. And that was a whole nother transition. And she did not like that when I started until it got long and locked. And then she loved it again. But yeah, so she's, she's had to go through a transitioning period as well. But, um, she's, she's gotten used to it. Man, I think an afro on a sister is so attractive and so powerful and so sexy. All at, you know what I saw recently in New York? I think it was there's a festival of African-American hair. And it was just mm-hmm. all like thousands of women with afros, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that is um, it was no men. It looked like it was all women just celebrating feminism or women or African-American women or hair. And it just looked amazing to see that many different styles and shades of afro and i was just like man this is that was really cool 
And really, I mean, it, it is a beautiful thing that black women are learning to embrace themselves that way. But we have totally gotten off topic. Um, and so we're supposed to be talking about interracial um, dating. And, and that's a whole nother kind of aspect of it that um, black men, um, we have the sex that embraces the natural black woman. And then we have a whole set of black men who are just not feeling it at all. Yeah, I saw in Black Demographics, it said black women are less likely to be married to a black man. As a matter of fact, there are about 364,000 more black men who are married than black women. Again, 364,000 more black men who are married than black women. Yep. Even though black women are more than half, like 51 to 52 percent of the black population, there's still less black women married. Okay, well, while an overwhelming percentage of black women are married to black men, 94% of black women are married to black men, and 80, 86% of black men are married to black women. Those are stats we never really hear. Like, I just hear no. black women not married. Yeah, exactly. But the ones that are married are married to black men for the most part. 94%, man. I, yes. I wouldn't even guess that. What would you have guessed? I wouldn't even guess it was that high. I probably would have said about ninety five percent. I probably would have. I would have, I would have said I like ninety percent, maybe. I don't know personally any black women who are married to non black men. Oh, that's interesting. I know black men who are married to non black women. Exactly. I, I know a few of those. You? Yeah. I know yeah. a few of those. I don't think I know any black women that are married to non black men. Exactly. You know what? I know one. I know one. I met one recently. A black woman that's married to a non-black man. But he okay. cool though. Like he played jazz. He played a jazz. He played a jazz band. He played a trumpet or something. He wanted. To, he the coolest white dude ever. <laughs> so I don't know if that's different or not. <laughs> okay, so you know one. Okay, but but keeping up. Keeping up with these stats, black men marry white women at twice the rate that black women marry white men. So black men are twice as likely to marry outside of the race. Because even when we're looking at these stats, 94% versus 86%, what it's not really breaking down to you is that we're talking about people who've been married 60, 70 years as well in these stats. So if you look at folks who are just getting married in the last couple of decades, that gap between black women marrying interracially and black men marrying interracially gets bigger. Does the that make sense? That I, yeah. The stat that I actually really was eye opening for me was said in 2013, 25% of black males wedded non-black women. And so they basically had a trend of showing that it's increasing that black men are marrying outside of their exactly. race. Exactly. So while you look at the stat now and you say, okay, 6% of black women are married outside of their race, 14% of black men are married outside of their race. And that doesn't seem like a huge gap. But if you look at more recent marriages, you get numbers like 25% and higher of black men marrying outside of their race. So that number is getting bigger for black men, but not for black women. And for the, for the mathematically challenged Let's just say one in four black men marry outside of their race since 2013. Yeah. Or at least that in really, 2013. That that really paints that picture. One, one in four. One in four. Huh. 
Yes. Wow. And like I said, man, um, I, I don't, I don't have nothing against it. Let's add our disclaimers for everybody that's already getting mad. <laughs> you know, like I don't have nothing against it. Love who you love. Be with who you want to be with. If you want to be with a black woman, a white man, a gay man, you gay, transsexual, do whatever, do whatever you want to do. I just knew for me, I've, I just knew. I, as a matter of fact, one story I didn't tell about my, um, my, my, my playing in the snow era in college was I remember my, <laughs> I just call it playing in the snow straight up. Uh-huh, I remember uh-huh. my, my white girlfriend was oblivious. And this is why, this may be, actually, this might have been what led to it, the breakup. My white girlfriend wanted me to go home with her for a holiday. And um, she told her mom in advance, I'm bringing my black boyfriend home. Like, she was really like, I'm bringing him home, blah, blah, blah. Like, she was oblivious, you know, just kind of how a regular white person just doesn't get racism or whatever. Like, she was oblivious to it. And her mother, right, the white privilege, her mother actually talked to me and said, Stephen, it's not safe for you to come here. Oh, I wow. remember that from college. And, it was, and I was like, you know, 20 years old. And I knew, you know, it was Missouri. It was the country. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was in some country. Get out. I, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, well, that, that really wasn't keeping black men around back then. Well, you know, unless you was a slave or something, I guess. They might have still had slaves back there for all I know. But her mom oh. was like, do not come here. And her, and her, and, and her, I watched my girlfriend, the snowflake, argue with her mother about defending and being proud of her black boyfriend and not caring what anyone in the neighborhood thought about it. And I'm, and I'm telling her like, hey, um, no, I'm kind of with your mom on this one. <laughs> yeah, we're you know what I'm like, Yeah, you know, all I need is for one person to tell me I'm not welcome. That's it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, okay, and so. so, um, okay, so. Like, where, we, where we end up at is, uh, Tamara, um, uh-huh. what uh-huh. do you think? Uh, should the black woman... Should the black woman marry outside of her race? Well, actually, should the black woman try to move past having a preference of marrying a black man? Now, that is a hard question. Um, Because there there is several different, it's a very nuanced topic. Like one, um, we're talking about Umar Johnson and when he said that um, he didn't respect black men who would marry a white woman. Excuse me. Um, the opposite is true as well. Thank you. Um, black women kind of feel like they're getting backlash that they're not as woke, for lack of a better term, if they marry a white man or a non-black man. So the question is, am I less black? Am I less down? Am I less woke? If I step outside of, you know, the race, um, and then I think it's a difficult thing when you're raised, especially if you're raised by a black man and that is your definition of manhood to choose something other than that. So I don't think it's you fair to tell somebody what their preference should be. You made my difficult question more difficult <laughs> <laughs> by adding in, um, cause I'm fully prepared to say, Hey, you know, marry outside your race. But then going back to what you brought up about, you know, the statements from Omar Johnson, whereas we owe it to our society and our community and, you know, our culture and our heritage to marry inside our race, to bring our race up. Okay. How about we make a deal? 
How about if you get <laughs> a black that? woman pregnant, you marry her? <laughs> if you get a black woman pregnant, you marry her. How about that? Well, see, and that that therein <laughs> lies the issue. So right now, this whole conversation kind of puts the onus on a black woman. And if you want to get married and those are your options, then, yeah, you probably need to expand your options. But coming from somebody who, you know, just recently, like I, I just got married this year, but before I was told you need to look elsewhere. Um, but that wasn't what I, my preference was. That's not what I found attractive. That's not my definition of manhood for me. So for so for you, it was kind of the same thing in terms of just not necessarily a mental decision not to date outside your race, but more of an emotional, cultural, social decision not to date outside exactly. your race. Exactly. So, um, and not to say that I was not open to it, but um, I hadn't really gotten approached by a whole lot of men who weren't black. Um, but yeah, it... it it's just something that I always saw from myself. So that was hard to, to change my perspective. Do you get salty when you see a black man approach a non-black woman? Um, I, that is something I'm working on. I have in the past. I, I have, <laughs> I, I, I have to be honest. And, um, <laughs> yes, it is something that bo- has bothered me. Um, but the reality is the, we live in a whole different society, especially when you're talking about millennials and um, my brothers in general do not date anything but white or Latino. Oh, put them um, out there. They, don't, they, don't, they must not listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, both of them will tell you they are equal opportunity, but um, I haven't seen equality in that opportunity. That's um, very. Have you ever talked to them about that? Yes, I have. And um, they say, and they, do you think they're telling you the truth that they are equal opportunity? I do. I think my I brothers do. think women are beautiful. They they don't really care about shade, but they hang around a group of people that are ninety percent white. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in bars that are ninety percent white, so I think that's just you know. Proximity. You guys were raised in a in a white area, went to white high schools, and all that. Exactly, kind of stuff. exactly. I don't know why I came out differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But and then we you were and then you went on to go to UT. I'm assuming that UT had a strong, you know, I'm, y'all maybe less than you know four percent, but a strong African American oh, yeah. oh, yeah. experience. Yes, very much so. Yes. So um, it was less. It was around four percent when I was there. Three three percent closer to three percent um but yes we were a very close-knit community and um i actually kind of after i left ut was a little shame ashamed to realize that i didn't have any um friends that were not black or latino oh really you okay it was that many of y'all there that y'all that you really didn't have to um when you're talking about 3% of 50,000, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's uh, almost 2,000 people. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, 15,000. So, that's a good number. I can just be surrounded by all them people. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Don't worry about mm-hmm. that. 
but I could just be surrounded by them 15 to 2,000 people. 1,500 to 2,000 people. And, and I didn't have to worry about anybody else or see anybody else um, except in class. And in class, I'm focused on learning, and then I go home. Hmm. So it was very easy. And so, so final, again, so Tamara is okay with them, with people dating outside of the race, but she's not okay with saying you should have a preference of, uh, and I didn't say preference of, um, choosing someone over your race, but just saying to yourself that if I find a man who loves me, I will marry that man. And I don't even think black women are prepared to say that. No, I don't think we are. Um, and, and I, I do think that we should be open to that, but I also will say, I understand how difficult it is to be open to that. My mother-in-law, um, God rest her soul. She passed and left us last year, um, dated a white man for years. And, um, he was a nice white man. <laughs> Can I just talk about him like that? Can I just say he was a nice white man? <laughs> <laughs> you funny. Now, <laughs> intrigues me to see older interracial couples because they really went through something right um and i and it's, it's intriguing and i don't understand it because i'm like that white man had called somebody the n-word before yes he's too old not to have called somebody the n-word before yeah. <laughs> you know and 50 but years later and, and they were just happy and cute as a button and did everything together, you know, driving across country and just going to do weird stuff. Like, y'all driving that far and taking train rides and all kind of stuff that I would never even imagine doing. And, um, that and I've talked to my matters. mother. Yep. And I've talked to my mother about dating outside of race. She said, no, she said she'll stay single first. And my mom is 60 and um, been single now for about maybe six or seven years. And she's like, nope, I'll stay single. Just watch my grandkids, which is cool, too. You know what I'm saying? That she just watched the grandkids. But, uh, you know, she's not interested <laughs> you, at all. You. <laughs> right. But, okay. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> she's also been through some things. Yeah, man. Um, my mother's been divorced four times. All black men. Um, and I wouldn't and say that any of And that's not as bad as what white people did to her. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't say any of those black men were able to treat her with the respect and love that she deserved. And and I'm not even being like, yeah, I'm not even being like biased to my mother. I just knew, I, you know, of course I knew the men and they just did not have that part. Like they were old school black men. It was just hard to love, you know what I mean? And just demanded respect, you know, and they just didn't, they never tried to earn respect or earn love. They just expected everything. And so that's, that's tough. Yep. Last thoughts on interracial dating? <laughs> to each his own. Not mad at it. Um, we're gonna move on to some current events. Uh that was good, good conversation though for uh episode fifteen of season two of Divorce Not an Option Podcast. But now we're gonna get to these current events and I wanna talk about how these Republicans are full of uh uh-uh, uh you, uh-uh. you, 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 you gonna let me go on get at them because okay we're not we're not gonna talk about what they full of <laughs> they 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 just they just they don't they can't agree on health care they can't agree on taxes they can't agree on immigration and today donald trump i don't know if you saw he agreed to a deal on the debt ceiling with the democrats no i didn't you see that, that? yeah no. donald trump today just came out he so agreed on a deal 
They raised the debt ceiling for three months with the Democrats. And the thing about the debt ceiling is crucial because I've always heard Republicans say things like, um, you're leaving all this debt for our kids. And when Obama was in office, they attacked him for raising the debt ceiling. But now that Trump's in office, ain't nobody... I don't, they, I don't hear nothing about leaving debt for kids and all that kind of stuff. And the Republicans are not really angry about this deal. Like some of them sound like, like the, the statements I read, they were kind of like, like maybe disheartened that he made a deal with the Democrats. And so, um, you know, like, but, but that's not what like it's come down to angry. in politics nowadays, that their only agenda is to be against the Democrats. Their only agenda is to roll back everything that Obama put into place. Other than that, they have no agenda. They have no agenda. Like, I always thought that at least they believed in the things that, the, you know, the talking points that they have about health care, about taxes, immigrate. They don't care about any of that stuff but keeping money for the wealthy. That's all they care. It's obvious that it's all they care about now. You know, and so that's... Oh, my goodness. I don't, I don't even... That link you sent me, the Glenn Beck link, the video? The video? I didn't um, see that. What, what, what was it? I just oh, saw it. Oh, it was it crazy. It was crazy. And and the thing about that I like about Glenn Beck is that he tries to be equal opportunity. So he went in on the Republicans and the Democrats. Um, and basically, it's insider training. So right before in 2008, um, right before the stock market fell, the Federal Reserve had a finance committee meeting and told everybody that all of this is about to happen. So committee members did things like going out and shorting betting against the market so basically when the market falls they make money Mm -hmm. um waiting until the market falls and and buying up everything knowing you know that it's going up um buying stock in berkshire hathaway that actually bought a big chunk of goldman sachs knowing full well they were about to bail them out so just them having insider information, they were able to line their pockets based on what they knew was about to happen in the market. Same thing that happened with Obamacare when they knew that was about to happen and they went and purchased uh, health care stocks. Wow. I don't even think of stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, so they, he talked about how people get into Congress and they're middle class Americans and they leave rich. And this is how they do it. Hmm. I didn't even or those who are already rich when they get there are richer. And he, I mean, he named like John Kerry, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, these are Democrats. He also um, named some Republicans and I can't think, uh, Boehner was one of them. Um, so yes, there are s- several congressmen and women who basically take the committee information that they have and use it to make money. I didn't know about that at all. And huh. it's not illegal. I'm going to have to watch that. Why is that not illegal? That's not insider trading? Cause they're it is insider trading, but they're congressmen, so it doesn't count. Hmm. Last thoughts. Um, we got Hurricane Irma coming, bearing down on Florida. Um, yeah. I'm trying to understand why people hunker down. And you had some good thoughts on that, on why people, being a Houston native, why people stay. Okay, so from the Houston perspective, I don't know anything about Florida, but one, 
These people have been in Houston. I know for my family, they've been in Houston forever. They know which areas tend to flood and which areas don't. So my cousins went from the house that they have that they know floods to the auntie's house that they know don't flood. And they just all stayed there. Um, so they just figure, okay, this house doesn't usually flood. I'll just stay in this area. The problem with Harvey was that almost everywhere flooded and that had never happened before. Um, the other thing is that there were tornadoes. They weren't expecting those and you can't predict where a tornado's coming. Um, but more specifically, actually, for the people who have the means to leave, why don't they leave? Like I, And I the other thing to... I was going to say was Rita um, and Hurricane Rita. I know my family came down to see me or to stay with us uh, when Rita happened. They were on I-45 for 16 hours. How do you see, evacuate 6 late, million people? Yeah, that's impossible. Um, exactly. They, I don't. I don't think you can call for an evacuation. I think people have to evacuate on their own earlier. You know, like Hurricane Harvey, uh, I don't think it's supposed to hit until Friday. I got friends leaving tomorrow. But then I got friends also who's buying boards to stay. And I'm like, why exactly. are you staying? Like, that's, that's exactly. the thing I don't get. Like, that's my plea to everybody is if you have the means to leave, then leave. I don't like like my friends in Houston. They'll come to Dallas if I throw a party. But you want to leave Houston if there's a hurricane? <laughs> Like I don't get that. Like I'm like for me it's for me it's all vacation. Like if I gotta leave Dallas because the weather is bad and I'm going to Chicago, I'm just gonna kick it in Chicago. Like it's cool. It's four or five days of hanging out. Yeah, nobody could have predicted the magnitude of Harvey and these people have lived through hurricanes every year. It's like asking people yeah. to leave California when it's an earthquake. If, you know, mm, okay. If I ask you to leave Houston once a year, I, I would leave. I don't. I, again, maybe I'm. Maybe I would wear down over the years. But I just, I just like I think about things like I have nothing of value in this house. Like after as I'm sitting Harvey, in my house right now. After Harvey, I would I would leave. But I'm just saying, most people did not anticipate this. And while there are a lot of people who are experiencing devastation, there are a lot of people. Like, I just got off the phone with my line sister. They chilling. Ain't nothing happened. They had a lot of rain. They good now. Right. But I'm saying, like, like when I think about, like, there's nothing of value in my, like, value, value. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care about none of this furniture or these TVs or tables or computers. Like, I, if I got my family and we in a car on the road, like, I'm good. Like, I don't care about nobody breaking in my house. Like, I don't, I'm, I, what I think about is someone, what if somebody broke in your house? I'm thinking, okay, good thing I wasn't there. That's what I think. You know what I mean? Like, not like I need to be there to put my life at risk to save this table. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have nothing of value. Leave. Vacate, man. Like, we'll watch it and we'll see what happens. So. I'm with you now. Okay, folks. Season two, episode 15 of the books, Divorce Not Option podcast. We're going to try to do it weekly. Tamara, what do you think? <laughs> I think we can get it. We're going to do this weekly. Um, but please be sure to subscribe and follow our podcast so you can be automatically alerted when we produce a new episode on iTunes, Spreaker.com, Google Play, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And tell a friend, thanks for listening. Divorce is not an option podcast.
Divorce Not Option Podcast, Stephen James Dixon, Tamara Glaspie. Appreciate you guys listening. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iTunes, on Google Play. Please, please, please subscribe for us. That is how we generate revenue. That is how the marketing folks understand, you know, how many listeners we have and things of that nature. So I need you to subscribe. And what happens when you subscribe is you will automatically get a new message or an email or an update to your phone whenever I post a new podcast. So definitely appreciate people um, doing that for me. God bless. Uh, Talk to you next week.